The Gaily Profit is 100% supported by listeners like you. Help keep this podcast going by visiting thegailyprofit.com and clicking on donate or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. Hello, listeners. Before we start this episode, we just wanted to thank our new reviewer, Meg Usta, for their lovely iTunes review. And this means that we are nine reviews away from us finally doing our giveaway in which 10 of you will receive a free Gaily Profit sticker and one lucky person will receive a t-shirt. Yes, indeed. Only nine. Nine of you who haven't left us reviews should go leave us reviews right now. Just like pause it and go leave a review. And then by the end of today, we'll be able to do the drawing. That'd be really cool. Literally any kind of good review. It does not have to be a paragraph. It can just be one sentence. And that'll make our day. It will. And we also want to thank our newest patron. So Naomi, thank you so, so much. You rock. And we also want to take this moment to go back in time and thank our other patrons because we hadn't been doing that. And I don't really know why, but obviously we love our patrons to pieces. So Noel, Amanda, Kelly, Sarah, and Leanne, thank you so, so much for supporting the Gaily Prophet. We literally depend on our patrons and donations to be able to make this podcast. So yeah, thanks guys. All right. Well, with that, let's get into this week's episode. The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you've read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Gaily Prophet podcast for two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am the red and gold menace, griffin dog extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapter 10 of Chamber of Secrets, The Rogue Bludger, in which the gang cons Lockhart into signing a note to get the book with the polyjuice potion recipe. Harry, during a Quidditch match, is hit with a tampered bludger, breaks his arm, and then has his bone vanished by Lockhart. While in the hospital wing, Dobby fesses up to fucking with both the train platform and the bludger to quote-unquote keep Harry safe. And Harry superfan Colin Creevy is found petrified. <laughs> it's a, it's a, this, is, this chapter has a lot in it, but... We start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Hogwarts Quidditch coach under scrutiny for failure to do literally any part of her job. (laughs) (laughs) We turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. Well, uh, I've already told Lark this, but I broke my e-reader with all of my notes in it. So I like only have one front page. You didn't re you didn't redo it. I I like I grew the chapter and then I'm like, what even were my notes? It, it's yeah, just more of Hermione being sucked into like Lockhart's charm when they're trying to con him into signing the note. Where she's like, oh yes, it was so brilliant the way you did this thing, and it's like, girl. Yeah, although I feel like she's conning him 
in that moment. She she is cunning him, but I feel like she was sincere about like, oh, it's so burnt the way you like trap that ghoul in a tea strainer or whatever the fuck. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Hermione. <laughs> yeah, Hermione. I know. And then when he vanishes Harry's bones and she's like, anyone can make a mistake. It's like, what? Hermione, you you would not have made that mistake. The fuck are you talking about? Right. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay, so my first front page actually doesn't really have anything to do with Harry Potter, but, like, we get this description of Madame Pence as looking like a starved vulture or something like that. And I would just like to ask, what is up with the way that librarians are portrayed in so much of fiction because my understanding is that 100% of librarians are queer femme nerds I've met the 100% of librarians that I know (laughs) I mean it's like 90% of like the toast readership was queer femme librarians like I'm like what is a librarian and I'm like Miss Frizzle librarians wear super awesome nerdy print dresses and have cat's eye glasses and are all queer that's what a librarian is so what's up yeah i don't know what this like weird like bony matron librarian like is coming from yeah and by matron i mean i mean lesbian clearly (laughs) I don't know. If Madame Pince was a lesbian, I feel like she'd be a lot happier at this school literally full of 100% queer teachers and snakes. That's true. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's, like, awkward, because it's, like, I mean, as a queer woman, (laughs) I know that other queer women like to just, like, be friends with their exes, and it's awkward, and I'm just, like, what if it's just, like, the school is full of her exes and it's just like weird because it's like well we still all work here but like we all also dated because queer women so like i mean none of these fucking only one of only two of the defense of the dark arts teachers are ladies and they're both fucking evil so it's like you can't even be like oh yeah fresh blood in september it's always just like dudes so that's true Anyway, get Madame Pence a date 2019. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, so speaking of queer teachers, my next note is, Hey, Lockhart, you fancy dandy man, I feel you. I I was like, when he pulled out that fucking... Exactly. He caught Quill. <laughs> and then I was like, Ron made a face. And it's like, fuck you, Ron. That, that Quill is amazing. And I, I want it. Yeah, it's like, I was like, that is literally me. That is like 100% <laughs> my aesthetic is like, whoosh. Pulling out a fucking two foot long, like, fucking, like, <laughs> peacock tail feather quill. Because that shit is literally two feet long. Because peacock tail feathers, if you guys aren't aware, are fucking long. So. Yep. I'm like... <laughs> Yes, I, like, have multiple pairs of sequin suspenders. I collect glittery fanny packs. Like, me and Lockhart are style buddies, for sure. (laughs) I mean, I feel like Lockhart's look, if nothing else, is just excellent, like, on-point dandyism. And you're just like... Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's pretty great. And I feel like that's, like, the only thing I appreciate about him. Is his just like intense yep. commitment to dandy. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. My next two notes are grammatical, but one of them is related to Lockhart because uh, Harry comes out of his faint to quote unquote a glitter of teeth, which is such weird phrasing, but I like it and it. A glitter of teeth makes it sound like uh, a flamboyant of flamingos. Like, glitter is the the name of a group of teeth. But I feel like, specifically, only a group of Lockhart's teeth. Yeah, no. Yeah, if he doesn't, like, charm them to, like, shine and twinkle, I would be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
I love it. Uh, the next one is so, it is so weird. But uh, when they're going to the Quidditch match, Harry says the school made its way down to the Quidditch pitch as opposed to the school made their way down to the Quidditch pitch. I feel like when you mean the students of the school, you would use they. And so when you use its, I imagine Hogwarts, like, picking its robes up and, like, the whole building is kind of, like, shuffling along. Exactly that hand motion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to say that my next point is the only good insult that Drinker come up, can come up with to yell at Harry is Scarhead. And I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> you could do better than that. Yeah, no, it's not very original. Maybe maybe he's just flustered seeing Harry in those Quidditch robes. I don't know. <laughs> Which, okay, I feel like this is very off topic. Considering the amount that, like, sports gear is fetishized in, like, muggle porn. I'm sure there's some, like, really hardcore Quidditch gear fetish stuff. Because, like, you would need to wear jocks brap to be on a broom, right? Like, Fuck if I know, dude. I don't know. I feel like if you're not wearing any kind of, prote- if you have a penis, you would need something protective there. Because I'm like, I don't I know. I feel like no matter what's in your pants you would need something protective to straddle a broomstick <laughs> for that long but don't jock straps like rely on um elastic to stay on which they don't have in the wizarding world you're yeah right. i i think that playing quidditch is just like a real bummer is what I, think. <laughs> I get the, i i also suspect that but I'm also sure there's a ton of witches in the witching world that have, like, Quidditch fantasies that somehow involve... Anyway, I've read enough fan fiction to be, like, people in the Quidditch... After a Quidditch game in the locker room, I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it, whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was, that was rough. <laughs> no, I liked it. <laughs> My front page is really gay. Wait, you said you had... Do you have more? Or no? Not really, no. Okay. So, Colin taking Harry's picture while Harry is, like, on the ground, out of control, like, he needs to stop. However, the fact that he was sneaking up to visit Harry in the hospital wing and bringing him grapes is so weird and sweet. And if we had any doubts about whether or not Colin Creevy has a crush on Harry Potter, they are now gone like yeah you don't fucking sneak grapes to someone that you aren't madly in love with especially because like okay so colin knows that harry is like regrowing one of his arms so i feel like he was gonna like feed harry the grapes exactly which is like even more gay yep uh we at the gaily prophet have uh, are not here for the term stan because we hate eminem but Colin Creevy is definitely a super fan of Harry, and it's it's really intense. It is really. But also, I think it's probably definitely gonna be one of uh, Colin Creevy's uh, queer roots. <laughs> yes. Slash is his queer root, because he's just like, he's just going balls to the wall about his obsession with Harry. Yeah, so. he sure is. <laughs> Just to to clarify, my opposition to Stan is deeper than my dislike of Eminem. It's also the fact that being a super fan to the point where you're willing to murder your wife and child to try to get the attention of someone is not something anyone should aspire to. That's disgusting. And Stan is a deeply upsetting song on its own. And I don't get why anyone uses this term. Uh, I made Jesse explain it to me because Jesse knows about the internet more than anyone else that I know. And I was like, oh, I still don't get it. That's really upsetting. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So my last front page says, hi, Harry, you and Ron got your own selves expelled. Don't even try to put that on Dobby. <laughs> yeah. 
Right? It's like he has every reason in the world to be super mad at Dobby, but the sentence you nearly got me and Ron expelled is like, no, 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 no. Y'all made a really bad choice that Dobby had literally nothing to do with how you two reacted to that situation. You are the only ones responsible. Yeah, exactly. Cool. That's all I got. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. House elves. We learned so many more upsetting things about house elves in this chapter than it is already upsetting about these, this enslaved species of sentient beings. Just Just so that you know, I realize that I think we're using sentient wrong because sentient is just anything that has senses so like dogs are sentient and oh really i mean now that i know that dogs and animals have feelings but yeah it's so i uh i i don't i looked at i was like well i don't know because that i was using it that way too and then i looked it up and i was like fuck that's not the word that we mean and then i did look up the word that we mean and then i forgot (laughs) conscious i don't know maybe we mean like humanoid or can we just call them people? Can that just be? <laughs> yeah, we can call them people. Uh, and because we, I think we use like a broad, a broad, broader definition of like person versus human, maybe. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yes, the treatment that Dobby describes is like, it's like, how are there not protections? It It is pretty out of control and... It's just, like, he, like, he like, kind of begins to describe, like, why Harry is important to Dobby and, like, other non-human, humanoid beings. And it's just sort of, like, I mean, he literally describes himself as the lowly, the enslaved, the dregs of the magical world. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, again, yes, why aren't there more protections? Why aren't the house, the house elves of Hogwarts free because they're not they're also enslaved and there's nothing in these series that points us to the idea that they're like not just born enslaved and like every generation of house elf is just born like right into slavery which is no that definitely is the case and like and if like Voldemort and the Death Eaters are just like murdering them like vermin, but it doesn't seem like even if you're not doing that, they're treated any better. Yeah, that's what I was so confused. I mean, one, I think Voldemort wouldn't have been murdering them because like they, they, they would have used them for their their work. That doesn't. I I didn't understand at all why it would be the case that the general population of house elves treatment improved after the fall of Voldemort because it's it's obvious that no laws were passed to like protect them no, nothing changed like I don't I actually have like this it feels like a correction to me this like correlation between the treatment of house elves under Voldemort and not under Voldemort doesn't add up for me because it, why would, why would it be different? The only thing I can imagine is that Voldemort and Death Eaters were just like murdering them with impunity. But why would they murder them? Then you don't have house elf. Like it seems like Lucius Malfoy is not going to be able to get a new house elf. I mean, I think that is the mind frame that probably is why regular witches aren't just murdering house elves. But like, Voldemort is a ridiculous fascist, like, and especially if, like, maybe assume that from what we've seen of households in the story, that households are also incredibly protective of their homes and the families that they're unfortunately enslaved to. That, that that probably means that, like, when they were murdering people in their homes, they were murdering the shit out of their households, too. Like, probably, and, like, and... I don't know. Like the, I mean, the only thing I could think of that is like worse than how they're being treated during peacetime is that like he must, they must have been murdering just like swaths of them without like really any thought to like the. I think you're wrong. I'm sorry, Jesse, because that doesn't no. that doesn't 
that doesn't add up. Like house elves seem to mostly only belong to pureblood families anyway. And when Lucius loses Dobby at the end of the book, the way that he talks about it makes it sound like he's not going to be able to just go out and get a new house elf. And when we meet Creature, it's clear that like his line of house elves has belonged to the Black family for generations. So it would be just like so counter. Like Voldemort has disdain for non-human people but this is a non-human these are non-human people that have already been enslaved by wizards which would be the objective if they were to murder them would be to bring them under their control but they're already under their control so i feel like what dobby is talking about is that like as a population in general, like more house elves were treated the way that Dobby is treated by the Malfoys. And then they stopped being treated that way after the fall of Voldemort, which is what doesn't make sense to me because like, it's not like anyone came in and was like, Oh, you have to stop treating your house elves that way. And it's not like the former death eaters and, or just like shitty purebloods who abuse their house elves suddenly like had a change of heart just because Voldemort fell. Right. I mean, clearly not, but I don't know. Which is totally aside from the the horror of the way that Dobby is treated, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess I just assume that, like, Voldemort's just exterminating all kinds of shit for, like, not really any good reason. Because he can. But he brings the giants in. Like, he has disdain for them, too, but if he can subjugate them and use them for his own purposes, he's gonna... Right? Like, he's going to kill all the centaurs because he can't control the centaurs. But he's going to use the giants because he can. So the house elves are already... He doesn't even have to do anything to be able to use them the way that he wants to use any any non-human mm-hmm. person. So, like, there just wouldn't be any incentive for him to, to kill them. They already do his bidding. That's all he wants is to be able to, like, harm people and still have them do his bidding like that's his full objective yeah i mean that's true and it's not like there's an endless supply of house elves at at least from what we see with like creature it seems like they do a one-for-one replacement of like reproductively so if you murder a bunch of them then like you then you don't have house elves and it's not like the malfoys would be like yes murder my house elf then I have to do my own cleaning, heaven forbid. I mean, I don't know. I mean, and this is going to sound really fucked up, but do you think Voldemort would have been like, oh, just use these, like, Imperioed muggles to, like, do that shit, whatever. Yeah, but Imperioed muggles are not going to do as good of a job because they don't have magic. That's true. So. No, I'm going to say maybe this just fall under correction because, like, it doesn't quite make any sense. Yeah, every time Dobby is like, oh, Harry Potter, like, you're such a hero. It's like, that would make sense to me if, like, what he meant was, like, I hate my family and they suffered as a result of the fall of Voldemort. Like, that totally makes sense to me. But, like, the whole... And even the, like, you defeated an evil and, like, I consider the fact that, like, my entire species is enslaved to to be evil, which is correct, like... So that's inspiring to me. That also makes sense. But nothing about, like, the treatment of house elves changed after the fall of Voldemort makes sense to me. I mean, the only other thing that I can think is that... I guess we really can't tell how old house elves are, but... I don't know. I feel like Dobby seems like he's maybe a young house elf. So maybe this is, like, a weird story that's been, like, passed down from, Mm -hmm. like, house elf parents to house elf children. Because I feel like his sort of idealization of Harry Potter sort of feels like a bit of, like, it's sort of like a fairy tale almost, you know? Mm-hmm. So. More more in politics stuff, do you want to talk about, like, his treatment generally? Oh my god. It's just like, give all the elves fucking clothing. Like, what <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. Oh my god. And just, like, what it tells us about the adult Malfoys as people is just like 
fucking horrifying. Like, Dobby was flogged for burning their dinner. Are you kidding me? And I mean, also the fact that he, like, abuses, is like, he abuses himself, like, so intensely, which is clearly something that, like, he has learned, is just, like, and probably for their amusement, is, like, so fucked up. Yeah. Which I also feel like, considering that Narcissa is, uh, her maiden name is Black, like, her sister were, were Bellatrix and... Andromeda? Yes. And the fact, so she grew up in a house where they fucking stuffed the, the dead house elves and mounted them to the wall. I mean... Wait. I'm just saying that the Narcissa Malfoy definitely was already used to being fucking shitty to house elves. Oh, yeah, but they didn't grow up in Sirius's house. They must be descended from, like, Sirius's dad's brother. They're his cousins. Are his cousins. They probably spent a lot of time there, but you're right. But I fully accept that that would be like a family value watching the uh abusing the house elves for your own amusement so and we already know malfoy's a dick so it's like i feel like what this chapter brought up for me is is really that question of like why aren't there protections like why i get that the entire witching society is sort of like turning their back like not acknowledging how fucked up having these like enslaved people is even the folks who like don't have house elves are sort of just like oh they like it they like it they like it mm-hmm. and it's like okay even if that is your like cultural attitude is like this shared belief that just because they quote-unquote like it and I guess presumably have been like brainwashed to think that they like it given what we see from like Winky and the other house elves later that that somehow makes it okay that shouldn't mean that it's also fine to beat them you know yeah like that shouldn't those things don't necessarily have to go together and it seems like there should still be some protections. Again, the ministry is focused on the wrong things. <laughs> right. I guess if this is a libertarian society, then they're not going to have protections for house elves. That's right. I also want to say that another reason why Hogwarts is trash is that they can afford to hire fucking free elves. Like, they could just free all the fucking elves in the kitchen and hire them. Like, don't fucking tell me Hogwarts doesn't have some fucking rich-ass endowment. Or they're like, yeah, we have some, like, vault full of, like, fucking treasure and gold and shit that we just, like, run the school off of. Like, come on. They can afford to pay for fucking house. I totally agree. Or, like, (laughs) even if, like, this generation of house elves would not be willing to accept payment, you could still free all of them and then let them like volunteer and assume that like their children who were also born free elves would at least like slowly over time i mean look i even how how much we have changed from like our parents generation i feel like one generation in if you free this generation of house elves but they won't let you pay them and give them vacation days fine their kids definitely will so just go ahead like yeah They'll probably be upset. Maybe it seems like from what we see later, like they'll be upset that they've been freed. They won't be able to do anything about it. You can offer to let them keep working there and then their kids will let you pay them. So like, just go yeah. ahead and do that. And then like, if a bunch of them leave, I don't know, fucking make these kids clean their own fucking common room. Like, come on, you guys, you have magic. How long is it going to take for a fucking third year to just wave his fucking wand and like fucking, like, come on. Like, you don't. Yep. Need to have a hundred enslaved house elves. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah, or, like, hire some fucking human witches to cook and clean. It's not like there's a ton of job opportunities in the witching (laughs) world. You could definitely find a hundred human people who needed jobs doing those things to hire. That'd be fine, too. Yeah. Yeah, some people might be into that. Maybe they want to be closer to their fucking kids and it's 
dangerous ass fucking school. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even if you didn't want to pay them, you could just have parents like rotate out volunteering and that'd be fine too, right? you know? Like at summer camps, I feel like parents volunteer to do different roles and will go for like a week and like do a thing so they can hang out with their kids or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. We should we should uh, draft up a proposal and <laughs> send it to, to Dumbledore. <laughs> uh, we do not support the slave labor that you're running your school on. Yeah, if you have to choose between what's right and what's easy, you might want to uh, make a different choice. <laughs> uh, exactly. Okay. What are your other politics notes? I only had the house elf stuff. Okay, me too. Welcome to the education section, where we talk about this goddamn school. Um, On a very light note, I just want to start off by saying, truthfully, what they are doing in Defense Against the Dark Arts sounds pretty great. Not useful, but a lot like story time in kindergarten with like a really good circle leader teacher person. I feel like I would love it. I would love to be there like listening to Lockhart narrate his books and like have Harry help him act it out. Like it sounds super dreamy. Not at all useful for learning defense against the dark arts though. It's probably very entertaining, but yes, not at all useful for any of this um it's, like, incredible that anyone passes any of the tests later on in the books. I know. You know, I have to... I have to give a little shout-out to Hogwarts for the one kind of protection they have in, which is the restricted section of the library. Yeah. Like, I mean, even though all it takes is for someone to con a teacher into signing a note, but at least they made the effort to be like, you know, there are some things that maybe we don't want the entire student body to know like probably juice potion yeah or having arms grow out of someone's skull which (laughs) why would you need like what yeah and it is literally like the only the only like actual like safeguard rule that's enforced like the books scream if you don't have a note good that's good if only had that, that same level of protection literally for anything else yeah so we learn in this chapter that Madame Hooch is the Quidditch teacher. Quote, unquote. What is, when do they have Quidditch class? <laughs> That's not a thing. Maybe it's like gym. Yeah. Speaking of Professor Hooch, she does literally... It's not even like nothing. She does like negative her job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. you had one job, and not only did you not even do it, you like failed to like prevent someone from being grievously injured by what is clearly a cursed object. Why did why did they have to call the timeout? Like right. here's what I imagine. She blows the whistle for the game to start. She walks behind the bleachers and starts smoking weed. Yeah. No, that is that is the only thing. And not to mention, not only did she not like call the game off, Everyone's just like, oh yeah, 12-year-old Harry says it's fine. That's, we'll just follow him. No! Don't listen to a 12-year-old want his own fucking safety. He wants to win this game. I know. Like, someone be like, no, you're, someone's gonna fucking die. We're gonna cancel this game until we figure out what's going on with this bludger. Yep. But no. It's just like, carry on. This is fine and normal and totally cool. I know. I can't even count the number of times that... I wrote, why is she so bad at her job? <laughs> this is my whole my whole assessment of, like, yeah, half a chapter is just this flailing arm movement. Like, I don't fucking know what's going on. It's like they might here. as well not even have her there. Like, it'd be more helpful to not have her there than to have her there. Yeah, let the kids like, fucking referee their own game. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're doing a better job. They sure are. Yeah. Do you want to move on to Madame Pomfrey? So... I think for the first time in in our read through, we hear someone actually make an accurate 
assessment of Hogwarts when Madame Pomfrey is like <laughs> dangerous sports and inept teachers. Which, <laughs> that's like the Hogwarts brochure. It's like Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, dangerous sports and inept teachers. Oh my God. So like, yes, great work. You are correct. But why is she so bad at her job? I know, like, let Harry hang out with his friends. He just, he has to regrow, what is it, 34 bones in his arm? Let the kid eat some fucking candy with his friends. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, Harry's assessment of the situation is so accurate, where he's like, I was distracted, and things were fine. And now my friends are gone, and this shit fucking hurts. And she's like, you need rest. And it's like, he one, he literally doesn't. You gave him a magic potion that's going to regrow the bones in his arm, regardless of if he's partying or laying still, feeling it happen. Two, let this child be distracted. He does not even have a book. Like, he doesn't have anything. There's no TV that's like, come on. I mean, I know they don't have TV, but, like, there's a reason there's TVs in hospital rooms. It's so that you don't have to, like, lay there stuck in your own fucking painful body. Like, she's so bad at her job. Also, why didn't Harry get any kind of fucking painkiller? Like, you're just going to let him lay there and regrow all of his arm bones? What the actual shit? Yes, thank you. That was the other thing that I forgot to write down. But, like, they have that damn dreamless sleep potion. Why didn't she give it to him? You get all worked up about this, and then you just let Harry unnecessarily suffer? Like, even in a hospital, they give you the good shit. Like, come on. Which I feel like, is it the case that, like, in the witching world, they would just still be giving you, like, actual opium instead of morphine? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> like It'd be like, oh, take this, like, poppy tincture. And you're just like, I feel great. Right? She's like, here, take a hit of this pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some absinthe. Like. We, got some, we got some absinthe. We got just, like marijuana and oh and like poppy seed mixture you're gonna you're gonna just some you're laudanum. just gonna fly through your day yep oh they definitely use laudanum yeah that would there's this would yeah considering the where they're at in their society they would definitely use laudanum we're just lucky she's not like bleeding him <laughs> there's not magical leeches anywhere right oh my god do you have anything else in education no those are my only things <laughs> okay Welcome to the sports section, where we reluctantly talk about Quidditch. (laughs) Quidditch is a terrible sport. It's a terrible sport, and this is so clearly summed up for us by the fact that because they would need an inquiry about this cursed fucking bludger, they would have to forfeit the match. That's bananas we have cursed equipment therefore slytherin wins by default it's i mean number one they should not be playing by these kind of rules at a fucking school like whatever the like official quidditch rules are about this bullshit you're at a school full of fucking children if the equipment is cursed fucking reschedule it to next weekend like what the shit Like, everyone lives in the fucking castle. Or, like, for that matter, if the, I mean, because the fucking bludger is clearly cursed, it's like, we would have to have an inquiry. It's like, no, you don't. Everyone with eyes knows that this bludger (laughs) is cursed right now. So, like, just put that bludger away and get out a new bludger. Like, Right, is there not a spare set of fucking, like, what? Are you guys only using one set? There isn't an extra in the back somewhere? There's, like, it's on. indicated because Wood is like, but the bludgers have been locked in Hooch's office since our last practice. Which like, what? how do you know that? But also, that kind of makes me feel like, yes, there's only one set of bludgers. Which is ridiculous if you have that many kids playing a sport. You should have more than one set of equipment. Yeah. Also, just, like, I don't know, replicate the non-cursed bludger, and then you have a new bludger that's not, presumably, not cursed, you know? Right. Um, 
It's just like everyone's like, this is troubling, but we're just going to keep playing. And it's like, no. I know. Yeah, my only other sports point was about Wood. Catch the snitch or die trying. Buddy, come on. You are you are a bad role model. But also Harry literally could have been killed getting the snitch. Like that wasn't that's not an exaggeration in this game. You could literally die. Yeah. This is a bad sport. Harry like gets terribly injured in like every book where he's playing quidditch Uh uh-huh it's real bad welcome to the health and science section where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and or science all right so my point is from the end of this chapter when they bring poor colin in and they're like oh maybe his camera has some evidence of what petrified him. And Dumbledore opens the back of the camera. Um, for, for anyone who is maybe not familiar with how film cameras work, if you open the back of a film camera when the film is still in there, you will destroy the roll because the light will obliterate literally all of the photos on your negative. So even if the film hadn't have been melted to goo, he still... Dumbledore still would have fucking ruined that film. Mm-hmm. I just, just. Yeah. So that actually ties. So I have always like always been bothered by that since the first fucking time I read this book. Where I was like that you have to you have to wind it. But I'm just realizing that ties into something that also I feel like. Dumbledore finding Colin because he just happened to be on his way for some fucking hot chocolate, like in this giant castle, he just like happens upon Colin and then he like opens this, this camera in a way that would ruin the film. Like that is so sketchy. It is so sketchy and it makes me feel like, are we back to... Dumbledore is setting this up to give Harry this experience of facing Riddle and, like, inadvertently learning about the Horcrux. Was he deliberately trying to destroy the film on the off chance that it was okay? You know, I I think you're mostly right. I I don't know if at this point in time Dumbledore knows the extent of what exactly is happening and what Harry's role we're going to be in, but I think he is definitely stalling to see how this is going to play out versus actually trying to prevent it from happening. Especially because like nothing unlike when human Tom Riddle opened the chamber and someone died, like no one has died yet. So I feel like he's sort of... I feel he's sort of just seeing how this is going to play out. And I think, and like, I, I didn't catch it until this read, but I definitely think he opened that camera on purpose to destroy the evidence of what's going on. But they, it's clear that they know because they're like, oh, the chamber's open again, which means that they, they know it's a basilisk, right? They don't know it's a basilisk because Myrtle was never able to say what killed her. She's like, I saw a pair of eyes and that was it. Yeah, but other kids were petrified, right, last time also? I don't think so. I think it was just Myrtle who was murdered. Oh. Because I don't think any other kids were petrified the first time around. Or if they were, it's not mentioned at all. Huh. Interesting. How are they associating the petrified kids with the chamber being open if there weren't petrified kids the first time the chamber was opened? Mm, that's true. Uh, to reiterate, the plot of this book is made of Swiss cheese. <laughs> I think I think this is why, even though there's a lot of really good things that end up being important later in the books, this is like one of my least favorite. This is like maybe at the bottom of my like top ranking of my favorite Harry Potter books. This is definitely like six or seven for me. This plot is fucking ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's really bad. Okay, uh, my health and science are actually both related, uh, 
that's okay. So I have two health and science. The first says vampires eating lettuce <laughs> with question mark after each word because I wouldn't wouldn't it die? Don't vampires have to eat blood to stay alive? Yes. Great. I I feel like we're never given a lot of information about how vampires work in the witching world though, since like everyone likes to put their spin on things, but yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I feel like definitionally vampires <laughs> have to eat blood to survive. So it couldn't be the case that Lockhart had made a vampire only able to eat lettuce and have that vampire still be referred to in present tense like it was still alive. Like it it would have died. Anyway, it's not something we can resolve. My second question is, what is a bicorn? I assume it's a unicorn with two horns, but like we never hear about, I don't think we ever hear about them again. And are they, is that something that exists outside of this sentence in Harry Potter? Mm-hmm. I feel like if I Google bicorn, I'm going to get some... Okay, uh, Wikipedia. Oh, so they appear in the Middle Ages in the Renaissance. Bicorn is a creature, often described as part panther, part cow, creature with a human-like face. Rafael, why are you growling at me? Here, look at him. He's just laying there, growling at me. Can you see him? Yeah. What are you doing, buddy? What are you doing? You're being really cute, if that makes you feel any better. Maybe he just wanted to provide us with our um, Rufio growl patriarchy sound. (laughs) Um, Speaking of the patriarchy, bicorns apparently devour kind-hearted and devoted husbands. What? Yeah. Honey, you have to stop making that sound now. He's a weird guy. Okay, so I'm sorry. I missed, I missed, you said a panther and a human face, but I missed. Okay, so according to Wikipedia, bicorn is a creature often described as a part panther, part cow creature with a human-like face that devours kind-hearted and devoted husbands and, quote-unquote, because of their abundance, is plump and well-fed. Does it have a horn? Not from these engravings, no. I don't know why it's called Okay, a I gotta... No, I know, but uh, they need powdered horn of a bicorn for this polyjuice potion, and I just have to say, this is making me think of that part in Buffy, where the horn is not where one would expect a horn, and everyone's like a little shocked and embarrassed and has to close the book and not look at the picture anymore that could definitely be it i feel yeah i feel like it has like a horn dick but if it's also part cow cows do have horns sure (laughs) but if its head is a person humans generally don't have horns that's true okay great well that's weird weird there are so many like weird mashup animals in history, and it's quite, quite a thing. Welcome to editorials, where we rant about stuff. And boy, do I have some rants for us today! But you should go first. <laughs> um, I talked a little bit about this last episode, but. The fact that Lockhart was so easily conned into signing Hermione's note to take out a book from the Forbidden Library, it's like, you guys really need some teaching guidelines. Like, especially if you're getting a Defense Against the Dark Art teacher literally every year. Like, give them a fucking list of shit to do and not to do. Like... That list any... would not have any impact on Lockhart no matter what, though. That's true. But, like, this is exactly the this is exactly how, like, fucking... Voldemort found out about Horcruxes because Slughorn's like, yeah, sure, I'll tell you if it's just for intellectual curiosity. It's like, bro. Yeah. It's like being like, I want to learn how to make napalm. Oh, for intellectual curiosity. No, like. Yep. Yep. Sorry, buddy. You're going to have to have access to the internet or zines if you want to learn how to make napalm. (laughs) 
Right. It's sort of like, you know, when you're an angry youth in high school, you're like, I'm going to download the anarchist cookbook and learn how to make bombs and be a rebel. And it's like, it's not that hard to make a thing that blows up. Like, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know. Anyway. Like, congratulations, you're now on a government watch list for the rest of yeah, your life. Yeah, <laughs> But the Witching World doesn't even have a government watch list. Everyone's on the government watch list, I believe, this is, is true. what you mean. Every, every single person, but they still don't know about Tom Riddle's horcruxes. Anyway. Yeah, that's a very good point. We uh, haven't had a witch on SA Watch in so long. I guess this is vaguely witching, but yeah. Anyway, what's your... <laughs> okay. I want to know what Dobby is doing with his entire existence by which i mean he lives with witches he 100 percent knows that not getting on the train to hogwarts and or becoming grievously injured by a rogue bludger will not cause harry to not go to hogwarts he knows that harry will be given a potion to fix whatever is wrong with him he knows that harry will find another way to get to hogwarts he knows how the witching world works and so it just is like, what What are you doing? I, I actually have a counter to that. Okay. In which, if we assume that Dobby was born to, like, as a Malfoy's house elf, his entire witching frame of reference is the Malfoy's. And if Draco Malfoy had his, had, had his arm broken in his Quidditch game, he might have gone home for a while. <laughs> Like, his parents might have been like, what the fuck is going on? So he's just kind of like, oh, clearly Draco would would go home if this shit happened. And Harry's also a young wizard, like. Okay, I accept. (laughs) I take it back. I'm sorry, Dobby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, Draco would have his father bring the entire school board down if Lockhart had vanished his the bones in his arm for good reason for good reason yes i'm not saying i'm sorry i didn't say that as a bad thing it's just like yes man harry is a fucking lawyer do you want to use that to segue into this bone removal situation yes does does lockhart even get reprimanded for this he doesn't no he should harry needs a lawyer he should have sued him for like gross negligence here you have a bunch of money. Get a get a barrister who's really awesome they, to be like, I'm gonna sue you. They don't Walker. have that. They don't have that. They might they might have lawyers. They don't have lawyers. We see so many fucking trials. There's no lawyers. You just represent yourself. But like to the like physical bone removal situation, I hate it. I hate all of the descriptions of it, it makes me recoil. I hate it. I I think she does a good job because like the minute where Harry looks down and he's like almost gonna puke, it's like I think I would faint if yeah, like some just some serious gross body horror stuff. Oh there. god, it's I know. Ron helping him like stuff the arm in his pajama sleeve. I just like I'm like I I don't even like wanna I did my first read of the chapter, and then when I did my second read of the chapter, I, like, skipped those pages. I was like, I don't want to think about it again. This is too upsetting for yeah, me. Yeah, it is, it is really upsetting. It's so squicky. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like the smell turbine all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so many terrible descriptions of what could go wrong. And I was uh, like, no. <laughs> just, just, no. Yeah. Like, Something. Just, like, like, Lockhart should not be around children after that. Like, why is everyone just being like, oh, mistakes can happen? No! Oh, God, it's so much. It's so much. Poor poor Harry. (laughs) Poor Harry. I think that's the same arm he eventually gets, like, bitten with the basket. Like, the basket bites that arm, I think, later in this book, too. Harry gets injured so many times, and this particular experience is the one that every book when harry is recounting all of the terrible injuries he's gotten it he always reminds us about the fact that he lost all of the bones in his right arm 
This is pretty fucking traumatic. I would never let any. I would never let anyone forget this. No. And I'm like not one for like talking about things that I'm not a person for talking about things that have brought me pain or suffering. But I would be like, yeah, remember that time that I had my fucking bones removed and I had to regard them overnight. And it felt like a million splinters jabbing into my flesh. Yeah, that was pretty fucking terrible. Absolutely. My next editorial is just... It's about Hermione. This plan that they have is super convoluted. Like, what the actual fuck is this plan? This plan doesn't make any sense. This plan is... 110% an excuse for her money to try to brew Polyjuice Potion. There's nothing like... It's like, oh yeah, we should find out about like Chamber of Secrets and the Heir of Slytherin, but also, let's brew this complicated potion. Like, what? I know. Can I tell you my note on this says, Hermione, what's up, buddy? Are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) This... Because the thing that I keep coming back to, she's like, we have to sneak into the Slytherin common room and, like, find out information. It's like Harry literally has an invisibility cloak. No, you you don't you don't need to make the potion. Like, you can sneak into the Slytherin common room anytime you want. Harry has an invisibility cloak. This is such a bad plan. Yeah. And I don't know. Her response is, she's like... I don't want to break the rules. I think that finding out about who's trying to kill Muggleborns is more important than, like, school rules. And if you don't think so, it's like, what? What are you doing? This this is like, this is like cracked open the door of her, like, intense ruthlessness. Where it's like, if you imagine a parallel universe where Hermione Granger was sorted into Slytherin... She might have became a dark witch. I'm just saying. Like, she might have gone for some, like, greater good, like, ridiculousness. Because, like... You know, the thing with Hermione that this whole thing has made me wonder is, like, what is her rising sign? Because when (laughs) she decides to problem solve, it's like, you did what? You set Snape on fire? Like, you couldn't (laughs) think of something in between... Like, not setting Snape on fire and setting Snape on fire that would have stopped him from cursing Harry. She just, like, it's like, what? You what? I don't know. I get, I just want, I want to know what her rising is. Because this, this behavior is, it's not very Virgo, for one. Wait, I mean, we have, like, the, the, the day and the year. Do you need the time for your rising sign? Yeah. Unfortunately. How much of a difference does that make? Like, how much of a variance between, like... It's hour by hour. Huh. Yeah. We could probably guess, considering her action. I know. So, okay, if you want to, I'm, like, split between Sagittarius and Aquarius. Interesting. I'm leaning more towards Sag. You know, I was thinking about it, and, like, I was going to say, like, well, you know, you know, as a Sagittarius, I was kind of, like... I feel like I also am leaning towards SAG, even though, like, the sort of free-willing, free-spirit stuff about Sagittarius, like, isn't necessarily what I would qualify as Hermione, but, like, also as a Sagittarius, I wouldn't necessarily qualify myself like that either, where I'm kind of like, but I definitely think that, like, oh, well, I gotta try this new thing, clearly. (laughs) It's like, to, like, I don't know, I just feel like maybe the SAG works a little bit more, just because it's this plan is because you want to do a thing and not because it actually makes sense as a plan. <laughs> right. So the thing about the thing that makes me lean towards Sagittarius is the combination of like headstrong energy and out of the box thinking. And that's very in like both of these situations. It's very both. It's, it's that. Uh, yeah. This ridiculous plan is very Hermione. <sighs> but it's a really bad plan. Uh, yeah okay and she just kind of like strong arms like harry and ron into it and And it's like kind of amazing because they're kind of like i guess i know they're just they're like afraid of her they're like uh (laughs) like for once we're like this is not a good plan and she's like fuck you we're doing the plan and they're like oh my god okay (laughs) okay we'll do the plan (laughs) okay Welcome to Corrections, where we correct stuff. 
if there is a werewolf reversal charm, why wouldn't Lupin and literally every other werewolf just have the werewolf reversal charm performed upon them and then not be werewolves anymore? I think it's temporary. Uh, no, because Lockhart says he saved the village from the monthly threat of the werewolf or whatever. That means that person wasn't a werewolf anymore. Yeah, that is a very good question. Uh Uh-huh. Which is why it's a correction, because both of those things can't exist at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's your first correction? Uh, I don't don't have any corrections, actually. Okay, so... (laughs) Uh, keeping with really simple ones, Dobby disapparates while Harry is clutching his arm and doesn't take Harry with him. And that's not how apparition works. Oh my god, you're right! What the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Next. If literally everyone on staff knows that the Chamber of Secrets has been opened before... What the fuck is up with Bins being like, it's a myth. It doesn't exist. I'm so mad about it. Because it really doesn't seem like he was just lying to, like, chill the kids out. It seems like he was genuinely pissed that he was being asked to talk about something that he didn't believe in. But, like, it's obvious at the end of this chapter that, like, everyone who works at Hogwarts knows that the Chamber of Secrets was open before. And that it's real. That's very true. Because even if Bins was a professor and died in the 50 years between this book and Tom Riddle being at school, he should have heard about this. Right. Maybe. Anyway. But, yeah, it just seems it just seems like really inconsistent. Unless last time Bins was like still just like such a stick in the mud that he was like, why are you all saying that the Chamber of Secrets is open? That's a myth. I don't believe you. Yeah. That's weird. And then my last one is just literally everything with Dobby. So this whole, this chapter actually makes me think that it is in fact the case that Voldemort gave Malfoy the diary was like, this has the ability to make the Chamber of Secrets open and purge Hogwarts of Muggleborns. But I need you to protect it for me, question mark. Which is still, like, so weird. But that's the only potential explanation, is that Malfoy did, in fact, know that it would open the Chamber of Secrets and that Voldemort had programmed it to do so. But also, he was supposed to keep it safe. Maybe the keeping it safe part was implicit, but maybe... I don't know. Yeah. Because it, it's like, okay, that makes, that makes everything that Dobby knows make a lot more sense plot-wise. However, the scenario in which Voldemort is entrusting this Horcrux to Malfoy presumably wanting it to be like hidden and kept very safe but also tells him oh but also if you send this to hogwarts you could use it to like kill muggleborns like that doesn't those things don't add up do they i'm just trying to think of the conversation that this would be like maybe it's like oh yeah here is information all about how i opened the chamber of secrets like you know, hang on to this Lucius as a very loyal and valued death eater. Uh, make sure it doesn't get into the wrong hands. Okay, thanks. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Okay, yeah. that's what I got. Or else, or maybe, or maybe Voldemort like didn't give it to Malfoy, but maybe like after Voldemort's body destruction slash sort of death when he attacked Harry, maybe he's like, well. Everyone else is in prison. I guess I have this diary about the Chamber of Secrets, you know? Hmm. I, I don't know. Right. Just the plot of this book doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, the, the 
the circumstances of this don't really make any sense considering what we know of Voldemort and considering, of course, how he safeguards the rest of his horcruxes that, like... Right. Thank you for listening to The Gaily Prophet. If you're a patron of ours, this week you got an extended version of our conversation about Hermione's rising sign, and it includes whether or not we think Hermione would ever go on a reality TV show, and if so, which one. So make sure that you don't miss that, and if you're not a patron but that sounds great to you, head over to patreon.com and see if maybe you want to become a patron and get access to clips that don't make the episodes and so very many other wonderful things you can find us on social media at the gaily prophet on facebook instagram and twitter and you should follow us because we are very good at social media Uh, tell all your friends if you want to support us and the work that we do here. You should definitely share our things on social media. Let people know the cool things that we're doing. If you have not already, you should totally rate and review us. You know, where, wherever you might be listening, totally leave us a review. It makes us feel great, and it helps people who read other reviews realize how cool we are. You can also buy our merch on thegillyprofit.com slash shop. We have some cute stuff. And if, if you want extra Gaily Profit content, you can become a patron of us on Patreon. And a lot of cool Patreon-exclusive stuff there. You can join as little as a dollar a month. And every dollar counts, let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, is, this is just us. We have, no, we have no producers, no parent network, just a couple of uh, hardworking queers. Yep. It takes a significant amount of time to make this podcast. So, yeah. You can find me on the internet at larkmalachi.com where you can learn about all the different kinds of work that I do, which are many and varied. It's cancer season manifestation time and I am putting out into the world that I would really like to spend more of my time doing tarot readings so I'm inviting all of you to book tarot readings with me larkmalachi.com click on the thing that says tarot and then you can go schedule a reading with me and that would make me happy and also will give you valuable insight into your life because I'm like really good at tarot readings so wins all around Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Lark Malachi and at Radical Healer. And in case I didn't already spell my name, it's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I. You can find me on the internet on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at Live from Detroit, all one word. And one day I will put a website, I guess, so people can go there and I don't know. Hire me to do something. I'll come water your plants. I don't know. Or, organize your organize your inbox. It'll be great. Um, oh my God. Our music is by Kevin McLeod. Our spoiler warning is by Sarah Sarwar. And our Gelly Prophet logo and the lovely comics that are created from every episode every week by uh, Theo Julian Forrester. If you look at nothing else on our social, look at the comics. They're incredible. Theo is incredibly talented, and we're so lucky that he's doing work for us. Mm-hmm. Until next time. Peacock. Overexposed. Dregs. Guidelines. Nice. Nice.